0: Hello.
1: Hey, Cindy, this is Tony.
0: So did you get a chance to call my elders? Yes, I did. Oh, yeah? What did they say?
1: (laughs) They gave me the green light. So you want to go grab something to eat this evening?
0: Well, you know, we're going to need to get a chaperone, don't you?
1: Wait, what? A
2: chaperone?
1: (laughs) We're both 37 years old.
2: You're listening to The Critical Thought, where we challenge our listeners to use critical thinking when examining the teachings of Jehovah's Witnesses.
0: Welcome to The Critical Thought. In the upcoming episode, we're going to be having a discussion with two returning guests, Everett and Chardonnay, and we're going to be discussing relationships when both parties are Jehovah's Witnesses. One one of the
1: questions that people often ask is... um, how do Jehovah's Witnesses go about dating? And it's kind of interesting because Jehovah's Witnesses typically do not use the word dating. Jehovah's Witnesses do not date. And the reason why they consider dating as a sport. So in the culture of Jehovah's Witnesses, they use the word courting. He's courting his sister. Um, You will rarely hear them use the word dating. Uh, Dating is often associated with, you know, people date somebody this week, next month, you know. And that's why Witnesses, Don't date in school, they don't have boyfriends and girlfriends, even though many of them do. But officially, as an organization, as a religion, the only purpose that a man should be showing an interest in a woman is for marriage. And what that does, it produces some unusual circumstances and relationships and marriages because of that. Jehovah's Witnesses, for the most part, they really don't have a very healthy male and female relationship that develops in their organization. Uh, everybody is suspect to be having sex. And so when that is the, the, the basic mindset of an organization, uh, it produces a lot of problems.
0: Everett and Chardonnay, when you were coming along as Jehovah's Witnesses, what are the kind of things you heard from the platform when it came to dating or courtship?
3: me, I always heard that it was important who you date. It never really came down to, you know, liking someone or, you know, having the same interests or loving each other. At the end of it, it's like, is he, you know, a ministerial servant? Is he reaching out to be, you know, an elder? Is he going to be in the circuit work? And at one point, there was a circuit officer who had an example of basically comparing uh, the men to sh- like Kentucky show horses. The
0: numbers. Yeah, it's it like, it,
3: yeah, for Emma, it's just like, go after the prize horse or something. Like, ladies, you don't want the, the, the horse that ain't really doing anything. You want you want the, the prize horse, the top horse. And I'm just like, huh? I don't want a horse, but okay. But that's pretty much what they were. It was never really about um, anything beyond just Mary Foot for the stats.
2: Yeah, we yeah. we we had that um, spiritual one one through ten, you know. And I remember for a while that was just that was our culture. Like we would we would talk between uh, us brothers, and we always he he sounded like a spiritual too, you know. And we would be like rating each other all the time, you know. And if you're up there, if you were ten, you were heavy, you know. And and it was just I remember my my rating was like four to six, and we wasn't good. Oh, but,
3: I do not remember that. Nobody
2: <laughs> told me about the spiritual <laughs> rating. No, <laughs> it wasn't good. I was trying to get it up there. And yeah, we we had that. A lot of the brothers would would, would say, and you hear, okay, so outside of the organization, you will hear uh, somebody say, what kind of job does he have? You know, what's he doing as a career? But inside, we're like, what's he doing? Is he a ministerial servant? You know, is he having, what's his hours? What's he getting, you know, out in field service? How's he treating the friends and all of that? That was, that was the culture.
1: Yeah, that is so true. Um, I I remember... um, for me, because when I when I started to to, to, to start taking a look at the sisters and everything, I remember when I was at Bethel, they used to tell us um, what you need to do if you if you find a sister that you're interested in, you need to call two or three of her elders up mm-hmm. and ask them about this particular sister. And and the point that you made Eric, is is, is absolutely on point. Um, the the standard or the or the criteria that Jehovah's Witness young people are given to look for a husband and wife those stat, those standards are just ridiculous. They, they have nothing to do with reality. Like you said, it's not even an issue if does he have a job because you can have a brother who has a good job, making good money and could take care of a sister, yet a brother who is working part-time, broke, but he's a pioneer, that would be considered the prize. And then, of course, when they get married, they broke and they struggling. And all of a sudden, this is like, this ain't exactly what I thought it was going to be like. And so, and and that and that's the story that we often see too many times is is how they carry on this bogus uh, status or criteria for what constitutes a good husband or yeah. a good wife
2: it's, it's ridiculous right i remember that that phone call that we had we we, we had that where well, i don't think we did but the sister I was dating before her we called each other's elders oh i did we did
3: only because you told me to I had no interest in it but oh, yeah
2: to, but i did I, I was so upset at what my brother said about me because he told me <laughs> All right. And and then a sister told me too, but she was like, We we call and, and and they didn't really say that much about her either. You know, she was she was in the I think she was in the ASL congregation. She was doing she was doing quite a bit, but she moved congregations a lot. And so the elder would be like, Well, you know, brother, she she's not stable in the congregation. You know, do you really want to deal with that? You know, and then my brother about me, he told the sister, he was like, Well, he's got a lot of potential. You know, and it was she said the way he said it just made it seem like there was just, you know, and I'm like, thanks, brother. That was really helpful. You know, I'm trying to date the sister. And this is this is what I get
0: when I was coming along because I was um, I looked so young for my age. There was nobody that was really interested in me because I looked like a little kid when I was like 16, 17. So I had those problems. Right. But Mm -hmm. I just knew that um, when I was coming along, you had to be a baptized brother. So that was one of the criteria, you know, and so then the other thing was once they, you know, you, once you got past that, then, of course, it was like, hey, um, he needs to be a um, servant, elder, and have all these different titles. And prior to meeting JT, I did not know anything about Bethelites Mm. um, because until I met my roommates, I was in like a country congregation. Okay. So like in the country. We didn't have the same issues that people had in the city. You know, mm. we didn't have those talks because we didn't have a lot of young people coming oh, through to be giving those kind of talks. So I wasn't hearing all that, mm. you know? So um, that's why I was saying that you had to be, you had to be a brother, but we yeah. didn't have issues like, look at all these people in, in the this, in this circuit and this and that. We didn't have that. Yeah. So I, the bottom line was I met when I finally met JT, it was one of these things where, he talked about calling your elders as mm-hmm. well. Oh, so he, so he told you that? Yeah, he did. Okay. Yeah. So he, he gave me three elders in his congregation, and I gave him three in my congregation. Okay. And I remember the one brother in our congregation, he made an announcement to the whole book study <laughs> that this Bethelite had called to ask about our dear Lady C., Oh my! What <laughs> a great thing this was, and all that. I was like, oh my God!
2: <laughs> Man, so he put me out there.
0: And one of JT's elders, t- uh, two of them were very nice, and another one said to me, "Who are you? And what do you want? What do you want to know about him?" And he was oh. he was just so rude. And I was like, "Oh my God!" And I told JT, I said, "I thought you said these brothers were nice, <laughs> you know." But he, it was like I was on a fishing expedition or something.
2: He was you being know. good cop, bad cop. That was all. <laughs> oh, my God. You know, her elders did that That with me, the good cop, bad cop thing. Before, good cop, bad cop, yeah. When we called, I don't remember if <laughs> I had told you that. When I when I called her elders, one of the first things that they had told me was, oh, oh, she's sick. Are you going to be able to deal with that? And, they, and they, they, oh, wow. the way they, they presented it to me was was like, you don't know that she's sick, as if we hadn't been talking. You know, and it was yeah. like she got these health problems, bro. And do you really want to? Do you really want to oh, be? Wow! St-
1: oh, wow, man. And I'm That's like,
2: I, by that time, I had already looked up like like paragraph pages of, of Watchtower information on how to deal with with, with that and how we were going to proceed. Yeah. But it was just like, man, why, why would you you do that to somebody? You know.
3: <laughs> <laughs> he made the decision to study it and decide before he even said yes to dating me. If that was something he was prepared to, Crohn's disease was something he was prepared to be a part of. So, yeah. Yeah, I, I didn't know that they just came right out the gate. It was like, yeah, she's sick. You don't want her, and I was like, oh, that's yeah. that
2: sucks. Now, did you guys have on top of the, the the elders? We also had also had like a sister in a congregation that everybody would go to when they were dating.
3: And
1: oh, yeah. we were, it, almost yeah. every congregation has somebody. <laughs> yeah, like but Big Mama. I, I
3: try to keep this to myself so much because I'm I'm such a private person that, that call when I called his elder it it's bad because I, as soon as he started talking, it's like, don't worry, we're not dating. You have nothing to worry about. You don't really have to tell me what's going on with him. It's totally fine. And I got off the phone like, this is too many people in my stuff and I got to ask for permission and get status reports and I ended up calling Carter like, yeah, maybe the dating thing isn't a good idea because I was overwhelmed with every, like too many people are in my stuff. Yeah. But then I was, I think a day went by and I'm like, yeah, I can't do this. And I call him the next day like, don't worry, I'll just tell everybody and I'll deal with the fact that everybody is in my stuff, telling me what I can and can't do. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't even give it, him a chance to really say anything bad about Carter. Cause I, <laughs> I already knew he wasn't going to say anything. That yeah. nobody was really saying anything nice about Carter. Yeah.
0: Wow. But yeah. see, we had. But see, what with our situation is, we dated long distance.
2: Yeah. Ooh, okay.
0: And so you guys were local, but we were long distance. Yeah. So it was a little bit different. Yeah. You know. Yep. And so yeah. I think we bro- I think we broke a lot of rules too cuz I don't think we had a lot of
2: chaperones
1: either. Did we? Oh, chaperones. <laughs> yeah, Man. The cha- yeah, the cha- you know because sometimes ladies see would come to New York and her her one of her girlfriends they would come up and we 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 would go out in the city and stuff and you always didn't have a chaperone with you. And that's and that's kind of interesting because the chaperone thing applies to everybody. Yeah. So you so you can have somebody who's 35, 45, 50 years old Mm-hmm. And, have a yeah, and and so it really shows you how in this organization people are not a tr- people are not trusted it's just yeah. as simple people are not trusted as adults
0: we decided to go to the memorial at my mom and dad's in Ohio yeah. okay And we were going to drive back, and my roommate said, You guys can't drive by yourself because what's going to happen if you break down the side of the road and you have to go stay in a hotel and there's only (laughs) one room left? (laughs) She really, she she, she broke it down. She broke it down. She broke it down. And I was like, Oh "Oh my God. So I had to go over to my girlfriend's, who, mind you, actually had plans to go out that night. Hmm. I drove to her house that morning. Yeah. I busted in the house, went in her bedroom. I was like, You gotta get up. Gotta get up. You gotta go <laughs> to Ohio with me today.
2: <laughs> oh, <laughs> she man. She was like,
0: Oh my God. You know, she goes, I'm, I gotta, I have an event I'm going to tonight. Mm. I said, Not tonight. You're going <laughs> with me tonight. to Ohio. <laughs> right? We were at the city hall by ourselves. We,
2: we, <laughs> we were, we know, were engaged it. by the end. Have, yeah.
0: They probably still would have wanted to shower.
3: Oh, yeah. I, I mean, they they mean they they it, it, they it, it's just
1: amazing. Um, yeah. Right? We had this, we had this we had this apartment complex where a lot of single sisters lived. I mean, there were so many single sisters in this apartment complex that we were actually able to have a book study just made up of single sisters. Wow. The only married people was was, was me the conductor and my reader and his wife. That was that was it. Everybody mm-hmm. else in the book study was was single. So when we went through the family book, man, it was terrible. It was it was just terrible. What happened was the sister got engaged in the complex, mm-hmm. and so. Her her fiance came over and his car was there overnight. Oh no. And the lights in the house were out. Oh and I so some saw it. and so we started getting these phone calls like 10, 10:30, 11 o'clock at night. They're over there.
0: Who's over
2: where? They're over there. <laughs> They over there doing who knows what.
1: <laughs> Man, I got all these phone calls. From these sisters oh, calling man. up, reporting that the sister and her fiance both cars are out in the yard. I guess they went and touched the hood to see if the hood was cool or whatever. I don't oh know. My goodness, you know man! And so, they, and so, and so, we were getting all these phone calls, and you know, they want they want us to jump on and take care of this. Well, yeah, long yeah. story short, another couple had driven over to the house, <laughs> and,
2: and took they them left,
1: out. and yeah, and they left his car at her house they all got into the same car and they drove to go and visit one of the girls parents for the weekend. Man. Um but see all the all, all the witnesses saw was two cars, two men, I mean a man and the woman must be had some sex going on and and, yeah. and and so it was just on. I mean it was I mean I told ladies says it crazy almost all these girls.
0: It's like when JT came to visit me when I was when I was living in Ohio the reason why I really said we didn't have a chaperone is because really it was my niece and nephew and they were like seven and 10. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> and so they were really our chaperone because they went with us everywhere we went. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Oh, Calvin great. and
0: Latasha. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So that's,
2: we didn't that's have good. To that's deal good with excuse it. for a chaperone. We got a chaperone. Yeah, yeah we just got a <laughs> so yeah.
0: kids with us, right? Oh man.
2: <laughs> we we had that. Uh, did we did we have any... We didn't have chaperones a lot, but we, I mean I always made sure I tried to have chaperones, but it was it was oh, you hanging tough with Sarah. it was
1: hard to coordinate yeah. with, with other grown folks to come come with you as a grown yeah. person. I need to rally, yeah. man.
0: Well, I got some I got
1: to do the work, man
2: yeah and we couldn't get any of my elders to chaperone because they didn't want us married at all and so they wouldn't they wouldn't chaperone for us and so we had to find some of our friends if we could Uh, there was a rule in our congregation if you couldn't find a chaperone and you had to take a sister somewhere she had to sit in the back seat cat a corner to you and then you and you can take her around then it was okay
1: (laughs) i told you you. (laughs) yeah man that was amazing that 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 even if you was in field service where I was from in Carolina, man, Susan had to sit in the back, and like you said, yep. the brother sat in the seat on this side and it was like driving Miss Daisy, man. That yep. I, I remember, I remember that so well.
0: But J.T., um, remember when we took um, I'm not gonna say her name on, on the camera, but when we took her with us and she rode with us to Ohio, it was like she was she had so much smart so much stuff to say from the back seat. No, no. To the point that I kept telling her, if you don't stop talking, I'm going to put you in the in the trunk. You know, we were we were we were having those kind of conversations. We were laughing and joking and stuff, but she always had something to say. You yeah. know, so like if you had things you wanted to talk about with your potential um, yeah. spouse and things like that, there was no privacy.
2: Yeah. Yeah. It was it was very, very difficult. difficult to actually get to know the person in a group setting, you know, and that, that was that was another thing I I guess we wanted to talk about. Anytime you're in a group setting like that, you're not really going to get to know, you know, that person. You're going to get yeah, to see them no. in a group. But like pr- privately, personally, you're just you're not going to really get to see him. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And 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 so like I said, it it boils down to you you're being treated like you are a 16, 17-year-old. Yeah. And you know, you're 25, 30, 35, 40 years old. It is is it's almost it's it's it's, almost, it, it's, it's really it's insulting that people would look at two adults and and, and and these people have been witnesses but see the reason why is because the way the organization is is structured mm-hmm. Jehovah's witnesses men and women they do not have a healthy relationship along the way yeah uh, we don't we, as young people you grew up as young people you don't have any social activity the, the typical yeah. congregation does nothing now yeah. I, I, just get, I, I just laugh when I hear people say, "Well, we're talking about as an organization of Jehovah's Witnesses, we did nothing for our young people. No. That is the biggest complaint I heard when I was growing up, when I became an adult. As an organization, we don't have any type of social activities so that yeah. people can interact with men and women on a social level. Not a sexual level, yeah. but just in a social setting. So all Maybe. of a sudden, when you become a certain age now it's time for you to pick a husband or wife, you've never been around anyone. Yeah, and you don't know what to do, and you don't know who to pick, and and that becomes a serious problem.
2: I, I think we only had like three activities: there was ballroom, there was skating, and bowling, and that, that was about the only time you was gonna be in a social setting with somebody. You know, that, that was it. That was really all we did.
1: Yeah, um, you were fortunate because, and when I grew up, man, the the, the friends they they didn't want to do that. Uh, they 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 yeah. was we 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 might have one cookout maybe a oh, year, yeah. and, yep. so, and, and so and 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 the contrast was kids I went to school with. You know, their churches were taking bus trips to Kings Dominion yeah. and and all kinds of stuff. You know, they had some summer, some summer, the you know, Saturday afternoon baseball over. You know, yeah. Mount Nebo playing Mount Calvary. You know, and yeah. and, and so they did stuff. Witnesses, we went on field service on Saturday morning, and as the ladies team will tell you, you know, we got dog. We we got dog trying to do a little couple of things so that the young people could have social activities. We got dog. I mean, somebody yeah. dropped a dime on me to the co man. Wow. So you know. Mm.
0: Well, I remember this one incident in my congregation in my country uh, town, Kingdom <laughs> Hall. Um, so I'm I'm at I'm at the Kingdom Hall minding my business. All of a sudden I'm getting an invite to this sister's house for a dinner, for dinner. And it was a brother in the congregation that was interested in me. And um, so at that point, you know, he identified me as a person that he wanted to pursue.
1: You didn't tell me about that. Uh oh. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, you do. You know, man. This
1: dude, life. this dude wanted to kill me, man. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. I'm sorry. I mean the other You go ahead. Tell the story. <laughs> this dude wanted, this dude wanted uh, to pull up on me, boy.
0: So, um, you know, and, and you know, as dumb as I was, I was like, well, you know. So I'm there and everything, and so then it was like, I, I may have saw him a couple other times, and and then, um, I remember, I remember my mom asking me if I loved him. And and I was like looking at her like I have no idea I don't even know who, I don't even know this brother. Oh goodness! And the next thing I knew, he was bringing some rings out of a, a Sears catalog. Wow! And it was like
2: <laughs> I didn't even know the brother.
0: And and yeah. I was like, well, I only seen him like a couple of times, but he was all ready to move forward with marriage. Man. And my dad was like, I know you're not going to marry him, and this and that, and everybody was like, I had my uncles. They were saying, oh, this is a nice brother. He's a really nice. And and it's like, I never even, I didn't even know him, you know, Mm -hmm. but they were like, oh, this is a nice brother. He would make a good um, man for somebody and all this. And so um, next thing I knew, um, I was going to my cousin's wedding and I had invited my friend from work, my girlfriend from work, who who also was a Jehovah's Witness. And um, she went with us to the wedding. Mm-hmm. And so the next morning when she went home after the wedding, cause she stayed overnight, she called me on the phone and she said, what are you doing? Oh goodness. She said, you know, you are not interested in that brother, Man. you know? And at that point, a light bulb went, went off in my head and I woke up and I was like, Oh, you're right. You know, mm-hmm. I was like in a trance, you know? Yeah. And so, um, he accused her of getting me away from him. I know it's what she said. I know it's got to be her. But oh, it was man. like, it was like, it was so weird. I was like, how in the world did I end up in this situation? Hmm. You know, just because hmm. somebody at the blue came and wanted to marry me, and yeah. I didn't even know him from Adam. And then it was like, oh, really? Hmm. Scary, scary stuff.
2: That is interesting.
1: Yeah, I, I met him a couple years later. Oh, okay. <laughs> Oh, man. oh okay. man. But you know but but, but the ex, but the experience that she just shared is is actually a very common uh occurrence in this organization. Because there I mean, I mean in most municipalities in most areas there's typically a higher ratio of single women than it is to single men just yep. in general. I know here in Washington DC man it's like 13 to 14 to 1. I mean it's man. it's it's, it's, it's
2: high. It was like seventy-one um, in Detroit, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. Th- in, in most areas, is high. Then when you move that number into a church, the numbers also high as well. Um, at least with quote unquote church women, they can get involved with men in other churches. Uh, they at least have other numbers they can pull from. But in the Kingdom Hall, um, it's it, the numbers are just off the chain, and yeah. as a result, you will end up finding, unfortunately, people getting married to people that they're not really. Uh, compatible with I, I. That happened in my congregation back home. Mm. Um, that was a brother. Uh, that was a sister. She was very good friends with my mom. She was a regular pine just as nice as you could be. I mean, just just a wonderful little sister. She was like twenty-five years old, single. She been pawning since she finished high school. Uh, she was on all the circuit assembly. Just just a wonderful little sister. But there was no brothers in our circuit. They, they just wasn't because oh, most guys where I'm from and most guys when they graduate on on June fourth. They married on June 5th, you know. And so and so <laughs> yeah. they're not going to college, yep. they're gonna go and work a job at the mill and they just get married. Yep. Um, because you know this the sex issues there, so and not even need to stay single. I'm not gonna go to Bethel, I'm not gonna pioneer. Let me just get a regular job and get married. Absolutely. So it just kills the numbers of available men. So she was like 25 years old. Mm. Um, there were brothers in my congregation. I had three, I had two pioneer parties. We all we all graduated together, but ahead of us was two other brothers, and she ended up getting involved with one of the brothers in our congregation. He was 17 years old, man. She was 25. And, um, yeah, he was 17. Um, and I remember she used to tell my mom, she used to say, you know, Sister JT, uh, you know, the Bible says it's better than, you know, you know, the married and the burn." And mom used to tell all the time, "Girl, you know, the flame gonna go out real quick when you get married, you gonna find <laughs> it out. And so, and I remember my mom used to tell it all the time, you know. And uh, <laughs> mom was, mom was.
0: But wouldn't that be considered pedophilia today?
2: That's a good question.
1: Yeah, it would yeah under eighteen. I know. That's a good question. That's a good question.
2: Maybe the guy wouldn't consider it that way, but yeah, I mean, yeah, that's and, under eighteen.
1: And, and so, and so I remember. I remember. So he quit high school his senior. He quit high school his senior year, and he got married. Man, he was seventeen years old. Man. She was twenty five years old, and um, mm. it was terrible, man. And I'm and I'm and I'm telling you, that was many years ago. Until this very day. I just talked to someone just a few weeks ago, man. Just a few weeks ago. They have had marital problems. They have struggled. fellowshipping reproves. Just terrible. You know, they're still trying to make it work. And so in this organization, people end up getting married to people that they are simply not compatible for because it's only because it's the only thing that's left. Yeah. And that's what people do. I tell my wife all the time, I said, it's just like when they announce snow here in D.C. area, you go to Safeway Food Line, Harris Teeter, whatever, and you cut that corner and there's that one loaf of bread is pushed back, all <laughs> smashed up. you like, oh, yeah, I got to take that one. Gotta that one. And so oh that's goodness. what it becomes like when people in this organization oftentimes begin to select a potential spouse or mate. You know, yeah. we, you know, ladies and I, we we were very fortunate. You know, we, we met each other, we had a we had a long term relationship. Uh, we were actually very good friends before we got involved. I mean, it was it was, yeah. and so because we had. A I know
0: he time. had issues before I married him. y'all bad. i just
1: no. No, Y'all ain't right. Y'all, you y'all, know that. y'all are wrong. Y'all are wrong. Y'all are wrong.
0: Uh,
1: <laughs> Man, uh, <laughs> oh my but, goodness, but but, you, but 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 you get to see people in 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 in, in, in all their facets, so you don't because I mean, I know people, man, they they they, they saw each other two three times, it was married, and now all of a sudden, like you know, I, I used to when I was at Bethel, you remember when they had the um the temporary worker program, yeah, three months was it three to six months? Well, no, actually, it was you could come for a week. Oh, wow, it, that's it, was, during constru- okay. it was during the time they was doing all the construction at the, the Stanley Theater and the Bossard and the, and the Stanish Towers. Uh, when they was doing that heavy-duty construction at Bethel back in the day, they would invite brothers from congregations all over the United States. You'd come for a week or two. Yeah. And so you had all these brothers who have been married for 10, 15 years. Many of them, when they came in, we used to see guys literally just crying. About, you yeah. know, I, I always wanted to come to Bethel, man. I love my yeah. wife. I love my kids, man. But I always wanted these come for a year or two and now I'm here. You know? And so these guys end up getting married right out of high school. Yeah. And now here they are, 25, 30 years old. And it's not as one, as people say, it's not, I don't love my wife, not, I don't love my kids, but they realize that they got married many times too soon. And young marriages have a very, very high failure rate. Mm. It's just a reality because there's no money. Um, there's no experience. Yeah. And then you begin to look and realize you can, cause that was, a, that was a problem. The brother in my congregation, he still wanted to run with us, man. We going to play basketball.
2: Yeah, oh, so married.
1: We we're going to ride our dirt bikes, you know. <laughs> and he was like, "I'm gonna hang with you. You married, man. You can't hang with your wife. You went you home, you know." And oh, it created man. problems. That's true. He was
0: 17 years old, man.
1: 17 years old, you married.
0: Come on. But like JT and I, we talked. We 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 kind of like knew each other for three years before we got married. And one of the things I think that made our marriage so wonderful is the fact that we felt comfortable. talking about things to each other and so it was like you i just felt like i just knew him yeah just i just knew him on a different level and and the reason why is because the distance between us made it so that we didn't have to get married so quick yeah yeah but we could still talk to each other on the telephone you know we didn't we didn't need a chaperone for that yep you know what i mean
2: we did the same thing we talked all night uh, six seven hours fall asleep on the phone uh, that's how i knew we, we had a pretty good compatibility because yeah. it, it was a yeah. lot of people i would try that with and then it would get like awkward and they were like i don't know if we could be talking this long or you know should we be on the phone and, and it was just with us we yeah. didn't have that issue we were able to just talk about whatever we wanted and just just be on the phone all night yeah
0: how long in, did the- y'all date
2: uh a year is what is what i say i think for her is a lot less because evidently she didn't know we were dating now I, I remember reading the the young people ass book. Young people <laughs> ass book said if you were talking on a regular basis, I know what
3: the I know what the
2: book said, <laughs> but what I decided,
3: <laughs> I That's decided funny. that, that I was not dating, regardless of what. So for him, he felt like we were dating according to the young people ass book. You you're talking to somebody by yourself, you're officially dating. I read that. I knew that was what it said, but I've never felt that way about when you're seriously trying to, to engage with someone, whether it's just friendship or, or it becomes dating. I wanted to be his friend first. And I didn't want because the book says just from talking to somebody by yourself, you're dating. I said, how does that make sense? And I just didn't feel like it made sense. So for me, we were friends. And regardless to what the book said for him, we were dating. But it also, it was more so just me because everybody around me, like you're dating according to the young people asked. Even my mom um, at one point, you know, felt like you guys were dating. But for me, I just truly wanted friendship first to get to know him first, then to be able to say, yeah, we're dating, which happened for me, for him a year, for me about six months or so.
0: So Chardonnay, how would you feel, um, when you say you wanted to get to know this person as a, a friend first, at what point would you state that you would find out that you were actually dating? Would you expect him to say, hey, look, we're, we're officially dating? What, what would you be looking for? You know, I don't think he, we
3: ever, he ever officially did say.
2: No, I don't think I did.
3: I think for it never officially got spoken. I kind of just felt it. It just progressed on in a way where it didn't really Nothing was nothing had to be said because for him, we already were dated. But for me, it was just it progressed in a way I didn't feel like I need to say, hey, are we are we this or are we that? It just felt like it just eased into it without the the, the serious like what are we doing now feeling like I'm lost in, in what's happening with us?
1: Yeah, that's an excellent point. And, and that goes back to, to what I was saying before in the organization, men and women. Young men and young women, they cannot have a healthy type of relationship. The organization, the minute that you speak, and, and we, used to, we used to laugh about this. Uh, a brother comes in. If a, we, we, we've seen situations where a brother comes into the kingdom hall, and the, the, the attendant says, you know, I need you to sit here, brothers, the only available seat. And it's a single sister. And by the end of the meeting, everybody got the wedding planned out already. Yeah. Everybody got yep. the wedding planned out, and he's like, I don't know who she is. I just, just first, <laughs> That closes, yeah. Yeah. All <laughs> the time. And, and, and so what you said is so true. Uh, the minute that you start talking to someone, the organization quote, quote unquote says, Oh, y'all, y'all, y'all courting them, yeah, yeah. Y- y'all, y'all, courting, yeah, y'all gotta be serious, you gotta get married, and so because of that, and like you said, everybody around you is now saying, You're courting, you're courting, you're courting, and so at that point, well, I guess, I guess we gotta just keep it moving in that direction because if you s- decide to not do that then you get dogged in the congregation yeah i mean the organization will dog you yeah well jc can
0: you get can you get um reproved or something if you if if you are t- uh, you are looking at someone and dating someone and then you you abruptly stop dating how how do they deal with that in the in the organization
1: typically typically, typically it will depend on the other party if the other party just says no we know we're, we're just friends then then there's nothing but if the other party feels that they were dating you or you were dating them, then, then you can be dealt with by the congregation. This was a big issue for Bethelites. Uh, in okay. fact, yeah, when, when you first go to Bethel, you know, if, in fact, if you look on the app, it used to be on the application. I don't know if it's up there now. I haven't seen one in years. But it used to specifically say, we don't want no Playboys.
2: Mm,
1: and yes. so okay. when you got to Bethel, you went through um, a new boy's school. And that was one of the things they, they really talked to. And now, y'all guys need to understand, you know, you guys are single guys. You Know you're gonna be doing a lot of traveling and you're gonna be in a lot of environments where you will be around a lot of single sisters. You need to make sure you conduct yourself accordingly. Yeah. And unfortunately, man, I mean, unfortunately, um, that was Beth Lights, man. These boys were players, man. I mean, play up. Yeah. I-, I knew this one guy who was engaged to two sisters, man. sisters? Sister. <laughs> he was engaged to the same time, man. Two sisters, okay. Yeah. And so, uh, um, his
0: wife ended up. He, he ended yeah. up in our sister congregation. Yeah. So yeah. we went to the north side of the congregation and he went to, south he went to the and, south. Yeah. And he was engaged to like a sister in Chicago, Chicago
1: and a sister in Virginia.
0: Yeah. Wow. And then he ended up marrying the other sister.
2: Yeah. yeah, was, oh, was bad. Okay. yeah. I wonder how you thought that was going to work out. That's that's interesting. Yeah. I mean, we, we,
1: we <laughs> I mean, we, <laughs> it's not funny, but we, we used to see the boys get in trouble all the time, man. I remember one night we came back. We had went out to some little get together up in the Bronx. And so it was like, like eight or nine of us. You know, we, we rolled back in, the, in back back into Brooklyn. And it's in the summertime because we didn't have no money. We didn't have no air conditions in our room. So it's just too hot to go up in the room. So yeah. right in front of 124 Bethel, there's what's called the Promenade. And it's a spectacular view of New York City. If you walk in the Promenade, you're looking over the Manhattan, Twin Towers. It's just, it's just spectacular. Yeah. And so we just chilled Now We just walked in the Promenade because we didn't feel like going back up the stairs because it was so hot in the room. And over the distance, man... We we see one of the boys <laughs> with a sister, and it's like 11, 12 o'clock at night, man. And we're like, what you doing over, man? What you doing? and so we like, let's keep walking, let's keep walking. Let's go. <laughs> and so as we walk up to her, up to them, we can see the sister, man. Tears just running down, tears just running down. And we knew exactly what happened. We knew exactly what happened. He just told her. This ain't gonna work, yeah. He's breaking it off, and yeah. now the catch 22 is if you're at Buffalo and that same sister makes a phone call, they're gonna pack you and have you out the next day. Wow, and and interestingly, e- evidently, somehow, some way, they must have worked it out because he 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 ended up he ended up uh he ended up marrying that girl, yeah, uh, yeah. and so. It's, it's, it's very unfortunate because people are put into a situation where they may be just trying to get to know somebody. Yeah. But because of the way the organization is, you have to go through this whole process and end up being married to somebody that you don't. I mean, we know, ladies and I, right now, man, we, we talk about it, you know, we talk about a lot, you know. Um, one of the things that we see, which is kind of unfortunate, um, when people come to realize this is not the truth, um, they realize that. This that we've just simply worked at a book publishing company it's like working, it's like we all work down at you know UPS so we all work down at the, you know you know Chick-fil-A or whatever, you know, Safeway. It's like somebody on your job. And so when the person realizes this is not the truth, uh, many times we we know people they, they've had to um re-examine their marriages hmm. and they realize I would have never marry you if it wasn't for this religion. On both sides, both both yeah. men and women, it's not not one of the other, it's just they realized that this is not the person I, I should have married anyway. I married you and I stayed with you because I didn't want to get a divorce and get this fellowship and this thing. But now, you know, I realize I, I have freedom. I have choices now. And and that's kind of unfortunate because oftentimes these people have children. They also have things that they had built together, homes, property, you know, real estate, you know, just investment with each other. Um, and so it's really sad when, when you see that this organization and and we talk to people in other denominations that are very, very strict on their young people. They do the same thing. They end up marrying someone in the church, in the kingdom hall. They're not compatible.
0: Okay, so now I want to change gears and I want to kind of talk about what happens when individuals get in trouble during their courtship as Jehovah's Witnesses. Now, do you guys want to kind of share what happened when you guys got in trouble with your courtship?
3: So uh, going through the dating process, besides the the little troubles that we had about his elders, you know, not feeling like he was a good choice, mine not feeling like I was a good choice and we dated anyway. Everybody accepted that, but still at the same time, it it was a bit, still a bit messy. But in that we spent more time just chilling out at my grandma's house where we were because nobody really wanted two chaperones because they didn't really want us dating. So we're kind of like, okay, we got to have somewhere and and they're here. My parents, my family, big house full of family. So we were safe there. Um, so that's where we spent a lot of our time during the dating process. But at some point, everybody goes to sleep. We're still up playing video games and we get a little too close. Not enough to be for anything as drastic as what happened with the judicial hearing but to them it was so we got a little too close um I had my my meeting and it was pretty much pretty much compared to him a slap on the wrist um it was private reproof and it was done before it really even got started um his he ended up telling them and he got this fellowship for him is look what you did to her. You took advantage of her. You stay away from her never again. How dare you be a player and any type of thing label they could put up on him for this whole situation. Um I even told my elders to make sure you tell them like this isn't this is a two person thing. Like we both we both did this. You shouldn't make sure not to to come down on him like he's the only one. Cause it was already leaning towards they're about to take him and just just take him out. And it just didn't work out that way. And I ended up getting the, the fatherly part of, of my elders, you know, like, Oh man, we love you. We, you know, just be careful what you're doing. Don't do it again. They did say though, um, before like, Oh, if he's getting this fellowship, don't marry him. And I did, I said, okay. And then he came to me, uh, and said, I'm getting this fellowship. I said, Oh, okay, well, we're getting married. And, <laughs> and that that's how that happened. But it was um, it was not, it wasn't bad for me, but it was bad for him. For for of course, because of him getting this fellowship.
2: So we we were the the issue that we ran into with my elders, we couldn't find any chaperones, as she said. And <clears throat> because of that, we ran into issues where we were, we were isolated, and, and sometimes we would get, we we got a little close. Uh, we were dealing with um, my elders. OK, so my elders were were already upset with me about the situation that I was in with the the previous brother, the slumlord and the way that I was trying to get that problem solved and they weren't solving it. And so they found this as an opportunity. We're like, oh, we can we can disfellowshipping for this, even though it actually wasn't a disfellowshipping uh, offense. I had actually saw that in the, um, the elders book that, that what happened with us was not a disfellowshipping offense. They had a choice that they, they couldn't, they didn't have to disfellowship us. But they, they decided to anyway, because they were trying to get me out of their hair and they were trying to make sure I wouldn't go to the circuit overseer for what was going on. And so everything just happened so fast that I, I told them my, my conscience would bother me about stuff, you know, and I told my elders everything, every single thing that I did wrong is probably why I didn't make that much progress in this organization. Um, but I had told them uh, when we had gotten in trouble, I told them what happened immediately. And... What ended up what ended up happening oh, I'm, I'm sorry i'm sorry that that wasn't that wasn't immediate i actually told them after i had asked an elder um if he would preside over our wedding and he said he said no i'm not going to do that because i've you know i have a reputation and for some reason there was there was already rumors being spread about me that i was speaking against the brothers because of the situation with the, the slum lord ministerial servant and he said he was worried about his reputation and wouldn't be able to do our wedding and i was like wow this is this is crazy you know this, this was you know, it was a lot. There was a lot going on behind that situation, but we we had no support. And so once we once we did try and move forward and get married, it was just it was it was very difficult to do to do that. When when I told the elders what happened, I told them, I think, Saturday after field service, I told them what happened with us. and said, hey, brothers, look, we got a little too close. We're still trying to get married. We're going to move up the wedding date. So we don't get I know that there's a scripture. If you're you know, if you're burning, let them marry. They do not sin. And that's kind of where we were. So I said, we're going to, we're going to just move up the wedding and try and get married. I told them Saturday, Monday, they had a judicial committee and I was this fellowship. I, I The meeting was all of, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes, you know, the, and, and it was just like, they, they already had all their ammunition about the previous situation with the slum and they just, they wanted me out. And so that situation for them was perfect. They asked me a bunch of questions. I didn't really understand. Um, I was already, I was upset with myself for, for getting into that situation in the first place. And I felt, I felt like I had disappointed Jehovah. I had disappointed the elders. There there was an elder that he had actually told me. He was like, this is not the normal way that we handle these situations. You know, it normally isn't this this quick because I don't think um, your, your elders didn't talk to you for like another two weeks.
3: Yeah. So the weird thing about it is it was quick. But at the same time, it kind of lingered because a couple weeks after we got married, they made that came back. To another meeting and it was like so you married Him anyway and I'm like yeah I did And they're just like alright private reproof After like they sent me outside To pray for five seconds so it was Yeah it wasn't really much for
2: me Yeah and they so with me it was I told them Saturday Monday they had A ju- judicial committee and I was out Monday Wednesday I Appealed it and Thursday we got married And that, that, was, that was how that, that went with us
1: This is the aspect Of the judicial process That most people know nothing about um, when you go to elder school and they give you your flock book, shepherd book, whatever they want to call it, there is a section. There is a, there's literally a section in the book is part of the curriculum where they go over this aspect that may come up in a couple that's quoting. Uh, there may be, and they refer to it as you know, uncleanness, heavy petting, whatever. And, and I, I remember um, in my class, we literally sat there 900 elders, and we discussed for over 20 minutes what is the difference between momentarily touching a woman's breast and caressing the breast. And it went around the room mm. as elders were giving, well, I think it's maybe more than 30 seconds. I thought maybe two minutes, two minutes rubbing down. And so, two and so minutes, man. And so <laughs> this is 900 Elvis, man. And I'm sitting there like, I don't believe we talking about this is crazy. Mm-hmm. I mean, even, even back then you could just see that some, you're talking about Pharisaic. This is a perfect example. Yeah. And so you have men who have no qualification, none. These, these men don't have no training in psychology, human development, no emotion. They ain't got of These guys work. You, know, you know who these guys are, and yet they're gonna discuss something as intimate and as personal as that. And after they finish discussing it, they're then gonna make a ruling on your life. Yeah. And you're right. You don't have to get this fellowship for that. And so <laughs> I tell you all the time, those three guys in that back room back there, they will literally dictate what your life will be like if you're part of this organization. Um, then, your wife, and that's and that's why you see the different rulings, yeah. the different results. Yep. Uh, you would think both of them prayed to God's Holy Spirit on, on their decision, and yet they came with two different decisions with the same thing. Um, and that, and that's kind of the things that bothers a lot of elders when they have to have cross congregations. Well, we this fellows the person, well, we thought this that she was repentant. We <laughs> and yet they sit there and jacked up folks' lives. Yeah, and so this whole issue that you are discussing, um, how, you know, the relationship, what goes on between people who may be courting or dating, uh, kissing and, 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 and so forth, holding hands. Depending on the elders, depending on the elders, they can literally make an issue out of anything they want to. And you have, and the kicker is you have no recourse. Like you said, you appeal, appeal means very little. Most appeals don't get turned down. Most appeals don't get changed. Because another body of elders is not going to overrule another body of elders, because we might have y'all sitting on one of our cases that we did, and mm-hmm. so very rarely will you see cases overruled. Very rarely, um, <laughs> and and they're short and they're very short and quick. Yeah. Because when you get oh, called, look at me like, man, I ain't got no Saturday afternoon spin going through all this stuff, man. Let's get in and out, guys. you know, yeah. you know and, and that's what, <laughs> and that's what they do, and yet that has just impacted someone's life. For the next 10, 15 years.
2: I remember like like just looking at the brothers at the appeal committee. And it was just, it was, they were so nonchalant. Like, look, brother, just, just get this fellowship, man. You'll be back in six months. You'll be fine. I'm like, what is going on here? I, yeah. I went to this because I thought I was actually going to get heard. You know, and, and 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 in the first committee, my elders were so detailed. You're you're already in like a, a compromised emotional state. You know, you're you're upset with yourself, you're 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 in shame. You know, and here they are asking you these extremely detailed questions, you know, as you don't even know how to answer because you're, you're in just this, this crazy emotional state. I feel I felt like my elders had purposely put me in that committee so close because they knew I, I might be emotionally irrational and they were trying to you know get me caught in something, you know, to say something wrong. because They were asking me stuff. I just I didn't really I didn't even understand what they were asking me half the time. You know, they asked me they asked me a hypothetical question. Would you let your children do this? I don't, I don't have any children. So I, I don't know if I could use that as a teaching, you know, opportunity later on or not. And so I said, I, I guess I would, you know, maybe I would. And, and they they started writing stuff down when I said that. And I was like, oh, I said something I shouldn't have said.
1: It's it's almost like machine gun. Yeah. I mean, the, the, I mean most people don't understand this. The way this judicial committee works is while I'm sitting here listening, I'm formulating my question based off what you're saying. So I got time to think and get my thoughts together. Well, you're just talking as soon as brother one finishes, brother two steps in, brother three steps in and back to brother. And, and it just continues on. And what happens is people get rattled. They get rattled. I mean, I've, I've, I have actually been in judicial meetings, man, where you see the person across the, the table and you can see their leg. They're, they're so nervous the, the, their, their leg is, 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 is bouncing. And 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 there are some elders, man. I know, I know for a fact. There's some elders they they, they, they like to Look at He's scared it down. He's scared it down. He's scared mm-hmm. it down. Do you see? You see his leg, man. You see his leg. He's jumping. And so you're like, well, I'm mm-hmm. trying to help the brother, man. I mean, you know, the guy got you know he did something wrong. But I thought we should. you the the, the glee, yeah. the, the 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 it's like we got him now. And that's why yeah. and when you talk to a lot, when you talk to people who've had like run-ins with the elders on other issues, it is at that moment they realize these guys were saying, we got you now. We got you now. And um, unfortunately, man, that is true. And that just goes to the whole point of, of why we need to take a look at this organization that we were a part of. Because, see, once you realize that this ain't got nothing to do with God, Jesus, and Moses, you begin to understand why you and I underwent the different things that we had to undergo as being a part of this organization.
0: Now I'd like to focus on what happened after you got married because now you're dealing with a situation where you have one person that's disfellowshipped and one person that's just on private reproof. And if it's private, people don't really know it because you're just not commenting at the meetings. And they're probably just thinking, oh, they're just spiritually weak. So they don't even know you've been disciplined. So y'all want to kind of talk about that?
3: Um, so being on um, private reproof, it it was it was it was fine because you know, when you're on private proof, nobody knows anything about, about what happened. Um, but when you're married to someone who's disfellowship, that's, that's another, uh, you know, a different emotion that, that comes into that because now everybody, they don't know what you did, but you did something cause you're with a disfellowship person. All of a sudden you're married and now it's like, oh man, I'm so sorry about that. And, and, it treat it makes it feel like you lost a loved one in death when they're constantly talking to you as if all of a sudden this person in your life doesn't exist anymore or all of a sudden now you're just immediately unhappy. You're with a disfellowship person. So you're you're in for an unhappy marriage. So right off the bat, just I'm um, I'm married, newly married and now doom upon my marriage almost like it's I'm just walking around in that kind of atmosphere. And it was really difficult
2: um, to, to, to be in that situation. All right. So, um, being, being this fellowship in that situation was like, everything had just, cause I didn't, honestly, I didn't expect to be this fellowship. I, I thought I was going to get some kind of assistance. And, um, after the appeal committee failed, it was just like, wow, you know, everything had just, the, the floor had just been taken out from under me. And now, now all of a sudden I'm in a situation where I'm still, uh, I'm still trying to take care of my household, but I have no help you know I, I don't have access to the elders anymore my elders had actually told me that i'm not i'm not allowed to study with my wife and i didn't i didn't under, i didn't really understand that concept because i, I felt like if obviously we're in, a, we're in a spiritually um weak state and so we need to study so we can build back up to get where we're supposed to be and they're like no you actually can't read the bible with your wife um you you have to you can't pray with your wife you can't you can't study any articles she can't pray for you um, at one point, I think years later, they said that she could if she saw that I was making some sort of spiritual progress. Yeah. But it was just they they took this spirituality out of our, our relationship and, and we weren't even allowed to talk about spiritual things. And so it was just we we started off our marriage with with such a void because every we everything about us was the organization. And they took that. And so we just we had we, we didn't really have anything, actually. And so we had a lot of. Um, Well, communication issues, because I had to I had to watch what I was going to say there. I couldn't talk about anything spiritual. I couldn't talk about what was bothering me. I couldn't talk about the Bible. And so like we had just a lot of silent moments where we just we we couldn't talk. And it it was it was brutal.
1: Um, I'm going to tell you, Carter, what you said is very important. I think it's very important that people who are not Jehovah's Witnesses understand what you just said. You just explained that in the Jehovah's Witness culture. The way this religion works, if you are the husband, head of house, because of being this fellowship, you cannot pray with your wife. You cannot discuss the word of God with your wife. You cannot talk about God, Jesus, Moses, or the Bible with your wife. There is no scripture in the Bible that ever says a point where a husband cannot talk to his wife about God. And that's what we believe. That's what we did. And when you tell this to people who are not witnesses, who go to their community church, they will look at you and they will think, you've got to be kidding me. The church leaders told you, you can't pray with your own wife. You can't talk to your wife about the Bible. And see, this is what makes this organization so dangerous. Because they are able to move into people's lives in such detail, in such intimate ways that You All all you're really doing is doing what somebody told you. I think it's very important that people understand, especially people who are not witnesses, who may be studying, who may be interested. You need to know what you're getting into. This is what you're getting into. This type of culture, this type of attitude and viewpoints. And so I I think, you know, ladies, we often talk about how people who are just seeing witnesses, they only see the outward appearance and the outward appearance looks good. But when you pull back a few layers on that onion, man, you see that it's a whole different story, a whole different story. And I think it's very important that people understand exactly what you just said to them, because that is important to understand.
2: And I, I can't I can't begin to explain how, how depressing it is, you know, to, to have that taken away. I mean, I just I felt like there was like they literally just just slid a block in between us and we're like, you guys aren't going to have a real relationship now. You know, I mean, I had I became so depressed not being able to talk to my wife. I isolated myself. You know, I got like I got into my music. I had got I, I had gotten suicidal at one point because it, I, I felt like there was no way there was nothing I could do for it. You know, there's nothing I can do for my wife. There's nothing I, I can't. Like, I, I felt like I saw how the situation was going to pan out and we were going to end up in a spiritually dangerous situation. And so I felt like I need to take myself out of that situation to give her a better shot at a better future, because it was just there, there was they were setting us up for failure.
3: I had asked him throughout, the because I saw, I saw them, he was constantly playing his piano. And I know him. I know, like, that's that's the, I'm depressed and I got things on my mind, piano playing. And he would constantly go there and not talk to me. And I'm like, why won't you talk to me? Why can't, why are you telling your piano essentially what I would like to know? And he's like, I don't know what I can tell you. I can't tell you anything. And I'm just like, what am I, what am I supposed to do with that? Neither one of us really knew what to do with that. All I could do was just say, "Okay, well, I'm here when you figure out how you want to talk." Yeah. And and that that he's right. That was a bit of that a bit that was a, a big a big block when you can't share your emotional pain with someone that you you want to share your emotional pain with.
1: Yeah. Is it not ironic that? The most impactful aspect of the entire Jehovah's Witness program of all the programs that Jehovah's Witnesses have, the judicial process is the most impactful and it is the least understood and known thing in this religion. Absolutely, absolutely,
2: (laughs) it's It's amazing. No idea how
1: it works, (laughs) it's amazing. It impacts people's lives the hardest, the heaviest, the worst. And yet it is the least known and understood aspect of being involved with the Jehovah's Witness religious denomination. It's the least known.
0: I agree because um, prior to you all getting married, you had no idea that you were going to be put on those type of restrictions in terms of spirituality. Is this correct?
2: Yeah, because because I had actually I had told her when, when I found that I was going to get this fellowship, I, I went up to, to her and, and, I, and I said, we, we shouldn't get married. You know, because I, I knew there were going to be some issues. I didn't know it was going to be that bad. Yeah. You know, the, the way they got in, uh, in our lives was like, wow, that's what are we supposed to do at this point? But fail.
0: So now that you're married and you know, these stipulations are upon you. How do you proceed after, you know, the piano playing, the ignoring each other as time goes on? What begins to transpire in your relationship?
3: First year, emotionally, he was just unavailable. emotionally. um, he, Yeah, he really wasn't all there, but he was still a great husband, but I think for the first year, he's like, he doesn't really remember too much because he was just in in his own headspace. Um, But the second year we moved to Canton and it was still a little bit rough then, but a little bit better because we distanced ourselves from Detroit was the family. That's where all of everybody is. That's where the friends, the family, everybody, the ties are. Canton was even more isolated. So now we really do. Now it's you talk to each other, or you're not talking to anybody. And at this point for him, it's like, I can't hold this in any longer. And for me, it's just like I'm here. I'm, I mean, I have nobody. I tried to make it work with the, you know, the elders in Canton, you know, the congregation in Canton. Um, it just was hard because it's really lonely and I try not, you know, try not to see people in a clicky way, but it kind of is. And and they're still acting like I'm just me. You know, I'm not with you. Like when you're this fellowship, are you really married to the organization? It's almost like I'm just single. So it was the loneliness brought us more into into a, a talking world where we're slowly starting to talk. And. And he's finding, you know, people to talk to that aren't witnesses and he's finding his own way that way. So, yeah, it was like probably two years in before we really started to to grow into being able to confide in each other comfortably as a starting point.
2: One one of the reasons uh, why I had kind of went into myself so much is because like right after I got this fellowship, I lost two friends. Um, I lost uh, um, a, a spiritual mother that had a Minnie. I think her name her name was uh, Minnie Williams. The, the way that she died was so messed up. She was like a mother to us when anytime I was dating somebody, I, I brought I brought them to, to Sister Minnie Williams. And I had um, there were two sisters that I had brought before that, that she, was, she was she was the kind of sister that would tell you, you know, what you needed to hear, but not in the way that you wanted to hear it and and it was she just crushed your dreams you know i remember this one this one sister i had brought up she had a great day with her joke cl- you know clowned out all day with her and then at the end of the day when she left she was like oh baby she she's using you baby what, what are you doing you know and i'm and i was just like what what <laughs> i didn't know what to do after that and by the time i got my my wife's, her, they spent all day together they had a great conversation and sister williams was like you know I, I really like her and that's how i knew that this was this was it right here sister williams like her you know you can't you can't do no wrong and that we, I was that close to that sister, you know, she was like a mother to me, even after I had gotten this fellowship, you know, I was, there Were still a lot of friends that, that, that I was caring for that had me do things for them. And when I, after I got in this fellowship, I was still doing stuff for them. And this sister was one of them. And it was just the way that she died. They, nobody told me she died. I found out by trying to get in contact with her constantly. I thought that I was trying to respect the this fellowshipping arrangement. And I thought at one point maybe she just decided to just stop answering my calls.
3: I kept calling. I kept yeah. calling for a while, but no one ever answered the phone. Until finally, one day, somebody called and said, "Have you been calling, you know, Sister Williams' numbers?" Like, yes, I'm. I'm a friend of hers. I've been wanting to know. Me and Carter want to know if she's okay. And it's like, oh, she she died, and that's how we found out.
2: I had I had went to her house. I was knocking on doors, uh, windows, you know, I thought she had fell or something and, and, you know, something happened and she couldn't, you know, get in contact with me and she had died. And they didn't tell me until after the funeral that she was gone. And this was like my mother, you know, in the congregation. And it was just that that pushed me further and further, you know, in the depression, because I just really felt like there, I didn't mean anything to this congregation anymore. I didn't mean anything to, to I didn't know what to do. And so I just I kind of relapsed into myself and there was just nothing. Because I couldn't talk to my wife about it. I, I, I didn't talk to her about that. I, I didn't know who to talk to about about anything. You couldn't have a a shepherding call. I found that out too. I tried to set up a shepherding call and the elders were like, yeah, we don't we don't do shepherding calls for disfellowship people. So it's like just you're on your own with this. Yeah.
0: Did she die because of neglect?
2: And you know what's what's crazy and not funny, but it was so so it has such a close proximity. You know, it's like I got this fellowship and I think, what, four months later, was it like six or nine? We were still going over there. We were going back and forth. But at one point I was trying to respect the arrangement and and not be over there so much. One of the elders had actually told me, you need to stop going over there. We'll handle it. She's in good hands. She would tell me stuff. She'd be like, these these elders, you know, they just they come over here and they just drop literature off and they leave and they think that's okay, You know, and, and I've got other friends. I've got I've got at least what is it, two, two, maybe three. There, there's other friends that I'm actually still in contact with today. Older friends that need help, and they'll call me because the elders aren't doing anything for them. You know, they'll be like, "Hey Everett, I need you to come in. I need to get some lumber. I need somebody with a truck." Hey Everett, I, I need you know, I need to get these branches off my roof, or I need my lawn handle. These they're still in, and not, they have to call this this fellowship brother from Ohio to drive to Detroit to help them. Okay, and, and and it makes me all it does is just confirm to me yes that I don't need to be in this organization. Yes. Because they're not even looking out for their own, you know they they got to reach out to somebody that's that's that far away and is fellowship and apostate to get some help. You know, I, I um I, I talked to this this sister. Uh, this was a couple months ago. We had one over there. Her niece was telling me. Uh, her niece isn't a, a Jehovah's Witness, but she was like, all they do is they come and they drop literature off and they try to recruit me, and that's it, and then they leave. And I think that's what happened with 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 Sister Williams was that. Once she died, because Sister Williams was, and I, I didn't even get to mention this, Sister Williams had outlived her entire family. You know, she had like a couple of kids. She had a husband, um, outlived them all. And we were her kids, the um, me and, and the other brothers that had uh, that were caretaking for her. the one brother. He went to Bethel and he gave me the responsibility of caretaking for her. And and it was just I, I felt like she was my mother. I went over. there. I took her to the grocery store. You know, I, I helped her run the house. I painted her house. I, I uh, not the whole house. I painted like the, the garage in certain rooms. Um, we did. We did a lot of patchwork in the house and stuff. And and it was just that was just a sister that I took care of. And that was a lot of times that was why I didn't why my field service time was down, because I was over there, you know, and my brothers, they, they didn't care that I was, you know, it was just my field service time was 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 down. So it didn't matter that I was over there. But when when I got this fellowship, she was like, just just come back. And she would talk to me all the time, you know. And then I just didn't. One day, I just didn't hear from her anymore.
1: You guys would not believe how many people are having a very similar experience, which lets you know that this is not an, a, a one-off. This is not. Well, that's just a, just situation you had. This is a very common thing because the elders and the congregation they're given the same set of instructions on how to treat people. And if you have the same set of instructions on how to treat people. You're gonna end up with pretty much the same results, so anybody who's out like you said elders don't do shopping calls uh they are instructed to stop by once a year unfortunately uh
0: <laughs> they never most do elves don't even do
1: that they don't even do that so <laughs> so once again, it's all on paper it, you know like I said on paper the organization looks good i mean the the, the brochures they look good but you, you go two three layers two or three layers deep man you know it,
2: it, it's, it's shallow it's and shallow. Then, then they they give you that that return of Jehovah brochure. People give you that so confidently. You yeah. know, like like this is just, you know, I remember brother handing me like, brother, this this magazine, man. They kept
3: giving it to me to give to you. Oh
2: man. Yeah, she you would leave them on the table and stuff. I look at that magazine, throw it off the, the table because I couldn't stand that doggone thing. There wasn't even anything for disfellowship people in that magazine. It was only it only went as far as like reproof, I think. And it was just yeah. the 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 closest it got to, to our situation was if something did happen to you just understand that Jehovah knows and you have to be humble enough to, to take your, your discipline and return to Jehovah.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's, it's it's a joke. The, the example of the prodigal son has got to be one of the most misused man. concepts in the world because when the prodigal son came back, the family was good. Everybody was good. When a witness is reinstated and I've talked to so many people and I know I, I've seen it, so I, I know people who, who are reinstated after being in this fellowship, man, they treat like a leper. They treat like a leper, man. There's no embracing and welcome back, and you know there is no celebration. These guys that, through a party. Go out there, kill a couple of hogs and kill some, kill some, you know, kill some cows with some steak and and get some lamb. We gonna have some. We gonna eat good tonight. You know, goodness well, ain't nobody taking you out. Man, we glad you back, man. It's a family, man, we That does not happen for this fellowship people. So you know, we just they just barely just now let people clap for you. Well, we we glad you back now, whatever. Yeah. And so. They just, they just recently changed. I mean, for all my life, man, you could not clap for this fellowship person getting reinstated. You couldn't rejoice that the person came back to God.
0: What I want to talk about now is the, the turning point in your relationship. Can you tell us about that in terms of when you begin to wake up from the religion and how it made an impact on your relationship?
3: so as far as waking up of course he was the the first one who who started waking up and who did wake up um it took me a while longer um more so not because i didn't believe what he was saying and and because it was more so where where am i supposed to go after this you know um and it it was hard for me but people made it easy as time went on because of, of the things that they were saying and doing. And it's just like, I can't, I can't with this because my relationship, no matter what I am staying with him, I love him. And no matter what you're saying, you're, you're not saying anything that, that I feel like God would want for uh, people who love each other. He went to see the elders one time. And this is, this is one of the big things that, that got that process started. He went to see the elders um, about, hearing him and say, hey, I need some help. I can't do this alone. And they said what they always say, like, we can't help you. The decision will stand and we're we're doing you a favor. You, you have anxiety. We let you, you know, listen in the parking lot. Most people don't get to do that. This is a privilege. And he's upset. So he sped off because he did come in a motorcycle, but he sped off angry. And the elder turned to me, With the most, most genuine, I don't know if he was, he genuinely felt this or if he had some kind of agenda, but he said, is he at home abusing you? I said, he's not mad at me. I didn't do anything. You did it. And that is a weird jump to make for you to upset him and just say, oh, is he at home abusing you? And uh, No, no, he isn't. And then what I have other instances where I I try to advocate for him again. I'm like, this is this is a lot happening. He needs some help. You know, so, and I would talk to them about what happened. They're like, well, you know, you don't know if he's telling you everything that happened in that back room. He could be lying. Like, so now you're telling me my husband is lying to me. And I said, you know, you guys are I'm already, you know, hearing what he has to say and learning for myself. That a lot of things that are happening are not okay, and you just undermining my marriage is just not. It did it it just solidified that I need to leave because my marriage is really important to me, and I I love him with everything in me, and I I don't need anybody telling me that I can't be with my husband. And the funny thing is, they're not supposed to say that. They're supposed to be like, "He get him back in, get him into the plot," and they would say that. But for the most part, it's just like if I if I decided that I wanted to leave, they would not have cared. They would have been fine with it. And I I couldn't handle handle that. I didn't like it. It's it was not okay for me to to have my marriage put under pressure that didn't deserve it in the first place.
2: Uh, a a turning point for me, I would say, was um there was because there were several, but I would I noticed that the furthest I got away from this organization, the more successful I was becoming. And and I think one of the things that that we have trouble with as Jehovah's Witnesses is that we will reject success if it doesn't come from the organization. And so while I'm being successful and things are happening, I'm getting better jobs, we got a better place, we got we got out of the the hood where we were, and things were getting better. But I'm I remember talking to a group of elders that actually did decide to give me you know uh, the time of day, and they told me that if if you're being successful, your success is like it's either coming from the devil or Jehovah is is um, briefly granting you success so that you can come back to the organization. But if you don't, then you're going to fail. So either way, the organization looks good. And I just I started thinking, I said that, you know, what this this can't be right. You know, the way things were happening to us, I was I was starting to be able to, to gain, I noticed that my, my mental stability was was improving the further I got away from the organization because I would get I would get physically sick going to the Kingdom Halls, you know, to the point of nausea. And it was just like when I would stand outside, I, I felt okay. And so the elders let me they let me they let me uh, in the parking lot and they they told me that I was a privilege or whatever. And I, I noticed I'm like, you know, I actually don't want to be here at all, so I would leave halfway through the meeting and go do something else. You know, and it was it was such a great feeling to do that. But after writing, I wrote six letters to this organization in a three year period. Not one of them got responded to, you know, and it, it was just and I even tested to see, that, you know, maybe it's not getting to the right people. And I remember filling out on, on on the JW website. You can fill out if you want to study. And I said, let me see if they're going to respond to that. And I filled out uh, the, the questionnaire and somebody responded like within a week. And I was like, OK, so they're just ignoring me, you know, and that was that was the t- a turning point for me.
3: That was painful for me. I wanted him to stop because I knew I said, they're not listening to these letters. They don't care. And it hurt me to watch him constantly try and send these letters, hoping that someone would listen. I just I, I it definitely was they were causing him a lot of pain because even with the meetings, he would come home and he would disappear in the garage and he wouldn't talk for the rest of the, the, the night or or the day. Because going to the meetings was that much of an issue. This place was breaking him down. It was and draining. I, yeah, and I didn't like seeing that um, for him. It was draining me to be there, but to watch, to have to have yourself go through something, you know, that's not good. I had anxiety and stuff, but I went through it. I'm like, it's fine. But when you see someone else going through it, it's so much more painful to watch someone you love to go through that on a regular basis. To see that kind of pain and, and it, it hurts you in a way that you never want to feel. So I was I was glad that he he drifted to the point of realizing this place isn't for me, and I'm I'm glad I was able to follow along and and get that that same thing. And we both don't have to hurt anymore over something that's very controllable. That that type of hurt was controllable um, with the way they were
1: doing things. You, you know, it's really good because that's what everybody needs. We, we Each one of us, we have to get our confirmation. And once we get our confirmation that this is not the truth, that is what makes it such a pleasure to be able to move forward. Because until we get that, um, we'll, we'll keep we'll keep begging them to love us, love us, love us, love us. And once you realize there's no love coming from here. Um, We get the confirmation, then we can move on because we become settled in our mind that the direction we're going in is the right direction to go in.
0: We want to thank you for tuning in to the critical thought. We appreciate having you in our audience.
2: This program was sponsored by Critical Thinkers.